Jessica Seely here. I am menstruating. This is my podcast. Ooh, it's starting to get Bjork. This is my podcast. You are listening. I am alive until I die. I don't know what that was at the end. Here we are. I started my period, and believe it or not, I uh, was PMSing when I uh, interviewed for this week's guest, and um, one thing you need to know about me, my dear listeners, is when I PMS, uh, things get really bleak. Jessica's having a bleak time, and I'm like, why do things feel so unreasonably dark? And listen, I've got my mental health issues, so I've got to be careful. So with the podcast like this, where I choose literally the heaviest topic possible, I have to be aware of not going into that bleak place because my mind will take it and be like, you should lay down and do drugs and go out into the street and cause a scene and spill your pain onto the streets of Los Angeles for all to see and... Um, I've actually used a lot of social issues to um, punish myself and others before. So we got to be very careful and very sensitive about Jessica's deep, dark PMS where my body mourns the loss of a potential child that it has used all of its cellular willpower to pave the way for new life. But I say no new life for a few reasons, which you'll hear about in this interview. Um... But I, I just also like had kind of a, a like dark experiences when it was all smoky and uh, California was on fire and um, this uh, I was walking to work and there was this lady, uh, this is a crack person, um, not a crackhead. Okay, they're whole people. And listen, I'm not judging people that are having a crack time because I am very capable of being that. I have a lot of mental health issues and mental substance abuse um, tendencies that are now uh, being kept in check thanks to an anonymous 12-step program, among other things. But um, I am uh, myself perhaps a crack person that's not just currently meeting my full potential. And uh, it's really smoky outside, and I'm having a tough time breathing. And I see this crack person um, approach me in my bleak, I can't breathe state of mind. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then she full sprints towards me. She full sprints, and I just kind of try to put up a shell of myself, and then she throws a surgeon's mask on me as hard as she can, and she says, if you can't breathe, use this, you stupid bitch. And it was just like, wow, thank you. (laughs) I just, you know, it just felt like, the fires and then this lady and this, you know, homelessness and substance abuse and mental illness and my asthma just all came into one head like of an apocalyptic, really creepy moment. Uh, Some bizarre times we're living in. Um, But today is a beautiful day and I did start my period. And um, when I start my period... I feel a release of all the hormonal buildup that is my PMS and things just get like, things just flow like so literally. Things are flowing and uh, coming out of me just like love. Come, like I just, I can feel like a connection with everything. And then I, I cried because I was thinking about the movie Moana. 
I was thinking about the movie Moana, and I was like, this is the deepest shit ever. Okay, spoiler alert for Moana, but if you haven't seen Moana by now, you're no friend of mine, and you surely should never listen to this podcast because you're my enemy. Just kidding. Uh, It's normal for adults to not watch Disney movies. That's actually probably more of a stable sort of situation. Okay, so Moana is this Disney movie, though, right? And uh, she sails across the ocean to, like, find this uh, lava monster demon sort of thing and uh, restore the heart of Tefiti, which is kind of like this earth goddess that is going to keep everything kind of uh, in balance in nature. And she goes up to this lava demon, and uh, she sings in her beautiful little Disney girl voice, and she says... "Um, They have stolen the heart from inside you, but that does not define you. This is not who you are. I know who you are. No, you know who you are. Um, What else is there? You know who you are. Whatever. Okay, so it's something like that, right? Which is just like... Whoa, and then the, the lava demon turns into this, uh, turns into Defeaty, the, like, uh, earth goddess, you know, just all this green stuff, stuff, flowers start blooming out of her. And I felt, I'm getting chills as I talk about it. You know what, I'm not ashamed. I don't care. I'm 30 years old. I don't give a shit if I, if I start crying to Moana. You think I care? You think I'm embarrassed of that? Okay, that's fucking beautiful. Do you know what that is? That's, like... That's on so many levels, okay? So first of all, just as a woman, you know, it's like an experiencing trauma in this life and the way that I've used drugs, alcohol, abusive behavior, power, whatever it is to kind of control my environment and try to come back at people and kind of react to that pain or hurt or trauma or abuse. And... um But uh, if you can reach sort of the soul underneath that, the person, if you can speak to the person and not the wound, uh, that's like such a beautiful healing thing. That's what it is. It's healing. And it's such a metaphor for the earth, too, with all the fires that were happening and everything. It's like the earth is acting traumatized and we have to um, treat it like an alive, beautiful thing. Um, not thing, earth, it's like, um, fuck, I'm getting really weird, but, uh, I don't give a shit because blood is pouring out of my body. Okay. So, um, that's just how it's gotta be right now. We have to, um, heal the planet like the beautiful Moana, uh, does. And, um, I also know that Disney is a very complicated corporation and that I have been raised by corporations. I am an American woman, and shit is complicated, but, um, and I'm also just, like, trying to be in show business, things are really weird, I'm having a weird life, this is a really, uh, really weird time, and uh, I'm having to watch, um, all these very bizarre people in power just, uh, choose profit and power above everything else, and it's just like, whoa, there's so much illness, and there's so much healing to do, And I don't know where to start. So I'm going to start with just like uh, talking to the people around me. And um, I have to be very careful. I have to be very careful when I do a project that my ego doesn't come into it because um, the ego is more of the lava monster, in my opinion. Like the one, even just doing this podcast and being like, and I'm trying to do it in this way that's like, this isn't about my career. This isn't about who listens. And I, and I, I feel very true to that. However, like, you know, I, I do get a little rush of, of whatever uh, endorphins if people or dopamine if people post it or, or like it. And, uh, and I need to really keep that in check because the whole point of this is uh, healing. Fuck. You guys, the sound on this, I promise, I hope to improve it. Right now I'm borrowing my dad's karaoke mic and Matt Lieb's Zoom, and I'm making this podcast happen with some very rudimentary equipment. 
But uh, we're doing it. We're starting. Just do it and uh, keep your ego in check and make sure your uh, intentions are pure so that uh, they don't turn into something else. Because, listen, throughout history and to today, uh, you try to do something good and... uh, and uh, that it can change, you know, revolutions turn dark. <laughs> and uh, and I'm I'm just wondering if we can heal from our human fucking issues. Um, so maybe that starts with just um, letting some of it out. We got to make sure we don't repress the shit. We got to make sure we connect on it. But then we have to make sure we do a lot of uh, self-healing at the same time. We can't just, like, go out there and try to deal with this shit and then leave our own souls to bear the heat of it. Uh, we got we to gotta keep cool, my babies. <laughs> okay. Who am I? Who are you? This is my podcast. Thanks for listening, Mom, and others who are listening, maybe Dad. Um, This week I have uh, the wonderful comedian Robbie Hoffman, and uh, she is such a quick wit. She's very smart and and, uh, has a lot of really amazing things to say, always in her comedy and... uh, and uh, she's just a very, I would say intelligent. I would say intelligent is the big uh, thing there. And also very uh, funny and uh, inclusive. Um, and by inclusive, I mean she invited me to her engagement party. <laughs> Listen, I don't get invited to a lot of things. So I, I think that that's really sweet. And um, I don't get invited to things because maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm a weird time. Maybe because when I go to those parties, I talk about climate change. Who knows? Maybe it's because I switched to natural deodorant, which, by the way, does not work. Okay. Right. So here's Robbie Hoffman. I hope that you, uh, if you aren't a fan of hers, that you follow all of her stuff and her career because she's so funny and amazing. And I'm really grateful that she did this little podcast of mine. Um, Thanks, and uh, give it a listen. Okay, so here we are. It's Saturday, and uh, I've got Robbie Hoffman, the amazing comedian extraordinaire. I'm so excited to be here, albeit the the depressing topic. Yes, on a Saturday, even so. Can you imagine uh, having to show up somewhere on a Saturday? Well, when else would I have the time? It's like 3 o'clock. You know what I mean? It's only a Saturday or Sunday would a three o'clock really be in a, you know, it's a Saturday thing. Yeah. You really got to focus on slicing out a, uh, a, a, a sliver of time in your week to have a good solid climate change discussion. Yes. I find. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm so happy to be here despite the, uh, depressing topic, but uh, it feels like we got to talk about it. Yes. And who better? Thank you for having me, Jess. I'm so excited. I mean, I don't get to talk about this enough. And you're you're weirdly one of the first people I thought of to do this oh, podcast yeah, really? because um, uh, I'm I'm going to be honest. All the first people I thought of who I thought would be comfortable talking with me about climate change, all the first names were Jewish. I was like, I we're think- very worried. We're a worried <laughs> people. We've been worried a long time, and this is like one of those glaring worries where we're going. Everybody, come on. A lot of Protestants um, not so ready to talk about. Uh, they're just like, well, you know, I just <laughs> I think it's going to be. <laughs> I'm okay. doing what what I can in Christmas and <laughs> yeah, everything's um, going. Jews don't have the everything's going to be okay at it. We're like, it's heading to our Armageddon, everybody. And you know, I'm I'm half Jewish. Yes. So I'm I'm both. I'm I'm very um, I'm like, look, you guys, this is a big deal. Yes. Um, but I have cupcakes. Right. Well, that's nice. And so I'm somewhat to- repressed. Something to cut to cut the anxiety with. That's always nice. I just have anxiety and then more of it. And then like a new problem happens. I'm like, oh my God, how many more? 
<laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm finding in general, even within myself and everyone around me, a lot of avoidance of uh, a lot of the, of the issue of um, the whole planet's uh, 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 current state. Well, for me, it's it's everything. I mean, I don't know when we can get into it and start talking about my thoughts on the planet and stuff like that. That freaks me out, especially with the fires and everything happening here. Right. Um, but I would say I think about it a lot. I mean, it's probably the reason I don't want kids. Mm. Um, it's a huge yeah. reason I don't I want kids. I think that's a lot of people. Me too. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand... I can't justify bringing like a bio. A, the bio, it is difficult for me to have a biological child as a lesbian. So there's that. Um, there's extra I, logistics. Uh, yeah, logistically, it's not as easy. But it also, I just like, I don't think I, I would want a kid for me. I'd also want a kid for the kid. Like I, I, I think about the kid. Uh, to have a kid for the kid, you know, for their life. Um, and I just, I can't imagine it's already so scary being me uh, in this world with the way that everything is, is happening, um, especially with the fires in LA and there was ice storms up when I was in Canada and it's just has gotten worse every year and I've just seen it on both, cl- like hot places and cold places just are just acting up. Um, and... So the, you know, I mean, the the actual climate and then the political climate and the doing nothing about the mm-hmm. the political climate, you know, affecting the actual climate to the degree that it does really irks me. And it feels like stupid and made up. It feels like, you know, obviously political climate is made up and it's fabricated, but the planet is real. And it's like those are like it's it's so crazy that those things affect each other. Like one should just be like necessity, like planet has to be fixed. I, I just don't Isn't understand it so how it's crazy political. how politicized it's yeah. been. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, if you believe in climate change or, um, you know, protecting the planet, all of a sudden you're anti-America or there's just, I think there's a lot of people capitalizing on it and using it as a, as a way t- for them to get their own power. Because, like, a lot of people obviously want to deny it. I really understand that impulse to be like, no way, because it's such a huge concept to try to be like, oh, now I'm thinking about how the climate on the planet is changing. It's it, not So to want to deny it, and then some guy's like, yeah, it's not fucking true, and... Uh, uh, if people say it's true, that's just because they're trying to destroy you. Like, I could kind of imagine believing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. I just think it's like it's crazy where we are at with facts and, and there's just not like universal truths anymore and there's not like things that all people know to be true. Even truths are debated and yeah. it's just like it's just There's so a lot of things that I thought like we were already on on board with everyone. That's I was what like, I mean. you know, there's not, this, yeah. there's this young guy at work and I work for the library. And he was talking about how he uh, believes that the earth is flat. And then he asked me, well, if you believe the earth is round, then like prove it to me. And then I like showed him a picture. I was like, here's a, we've seen the earth from the outside. <laughs> like, yeah. besides all the math or whatever, it's just like, we, we all are past this well, issue. I would say like, like prove to me it's flat. I mean, like what? I, I don't know. It's like, has Wiz- anybody gone says, to the edge? Said, yes. Wizardry. Nobody would take. He Nobody would every, take a picture. He explains that every everything that, um, and I actually have a lot of compassion for this young man because I, I think that like he's young and so impressionable, and everyone's kind of desperately reaching for weird. Sh- people are reaching for weird stuff right now, and he thinks it's a conspiracy. You know that like it's all wizardry, and they're lying to us about the way the planet is so that they can have an advantage over all of the people and. Um, I, I I understand the um, the instinct to be paranoid right now. I, I, okay, that and this guy, I have no sympathy for. I don't think he should be working at a library. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to your podcast, but uh, he's he's got to go to clown school or something. I mean, <laughs> these are not people librarians you go to. You have a question sometimes. Well, I mean, he's, he's not, not a librarian. We're back behind the scene. We're just scanning shit. He might move up. And then I don't sometimes even, we be even around academia. You know what I mean? I don't want him near the books. <laughs> You know, Have I don't want to. The, the weird thing, though, is scanning in all these books. Some of the books are s- scary, too. A lot of the books we're touching are like, you know, some of them are written well, 
ghostwritten by Donald Trump or whatever. So it's like, not to upset you. I don't want to upset you. But yeah, I understand what you mean about like, uh, there's kind of this, uh, this chaos of information right now. It's just a nightmare. And, and for me, it's like having kids. It's like maybe I would adopt. Um, I, that's the the one thing I can imagine. It's like, well, you're here. I'm here. I had a boss who adopted and he was he's wonderful. And he explained it um, that, you know, it was just like, well, they were both already in it. Yeah. So you want to do it together. You know, it's like that I could understand. And especially since it's difficult for me to have biological children, I understand it's easy for me to say that I'm, uh, that I would forego my instinct to have kids, which is an instinct that lots of, uh, you know, lots of people have. And that is fair. You know, I think it's just as justified as like a, a dude needing to come or, or to whatever. I think a woman maybe wanting to carry is just a biological I definitely, instinct. I definitely have that instinct, but I, I'm really on board with you in terms of like, and I, I think a lot of people are choosing not to have kids mm-hmm. and thinking they never will. And that really says something. But, um, you know, I had a food poisoning a couple weeks ago. So I, oh I woke God, up and I was, there. I woke up and I started throwing up. And then I, my first thought was like, oh, I'm pregnant. And then I was like, I'm keeping it. So if an uh-huh. accident happened. Yes. But there's, I think a huge part of it for me is not just global warming, but also um, uh, the issue of being a comedian and uh, being very poor myself. I don't yeah. currently have a sustainable financial career. So it's just like, even if climate change wasn't happening, I would probably be choosing telling jokes over bringing a child into the world which is just 100 percent. and i make a living doing i'm very happy with what i do and i've managed to oh you're doing uh, great it seems but but i'm excited i still think and i and i agree with your insight about picking career i mean i'm the same way i think we agree there i'm just passion is you know passion for me overrides everything um and I think it's just to show maybe we're not passionate about having a kid, you know, as passionate about having a kid. Some people, it's like the only thing they've ever wanted. So fine, mm-hmm. I get it. Passion overrides that. Um, but we have we are so lucky to have found a passion that is uh, relatively free. Um, it ends up, hurt, you know, it can be, you know, very difficult. Um, you know, uh, it's not always the most lucrative, but it can be very lucrative and it can be. And, and it's relatively just, you know, um, it doesn't include like you caring for another human being. Like, I think if you're passionate about having kids, then I'm not going to say anything like I get it. Like I can't I don't have that same thing. Um, so it's easy for me to say that I would forego having them. I used mm-hmm. to think I wanted five or six. Right. Um but uh, as I got older, I, I realized, well, I, I don't even want to be wealthy to have a child. I'd want to be ultra wealthy um, because I I would not feel comfortable to bring a child into the world and tell, tell them I knew that they couldn't adequately compete in a world where capitalism has taken over and it's just getting worse that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and the divide is just growing. And I couldn't look at a kid and say, I knew we didn't have the resources in this world, the way the system is set up, for you to compete. And they could be as talented and as smart and as wonderful as are, but the truth is, is that it's harder and harder to compete. Less and less stories of people who are born in into families without resources are able to compete. Less and less. Those stories are few and few, uh, fewer and fewer far between. Um, and that really scares me, you know, to think like how much do you need to have a kid? And the truth is a ton. Like mm-hmm. for them to compete properly, to go to the proper schools, to, uh, you know, the pedigree, all of that stuff is just critical for them to have successful futures because the divide is either you're poor or you're rich. It's almost there isn't just that middle anymore. Um, and so I just, unless I became... You know, when I become uber wealthy, right, right, right. Um, I'll then consider maybe having children. But at that point, I feel like I could afford to adopt a bunch too. Like, yeah, I go, I'm like, oh, well, now we can just because adopting isn't even a for you know, helping somebody else is also, um, you know what I mean? I mean, either way for me, I would be spending, uh, so. I might as well. And also, either way, for me, I probably would be adopting because I think if if me and my partner did have children, she would carry and I'd have to adopt anyway. So for me, it's mm-hmm. very easy to say that I would adopt because it really is like both. I don't think I just 
will have a biological yeah. child. And I also am thankful. I don't think I would want to do me to mm-hmm. to a to a biological. Like I can't look at me and be like, oh, we're gonna do that again. No, I'm not doing that to someone else. My girlfriend is lovely and amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's like you had to bring a person into the world, bring someone like me. It was a nightmare being me. It still is a nightmare. I wouldn't encourage <laughs> and like I wouldn't bring a kid and they're like, you knew you. I'm like, yeah, I knew you had a big chance to be like me. I didn't. <laughs> I knew it would be a nightmare. And like you know, I I just can't justify it. Sure. Well, I also I do have a lot of um, heterosexual friends and long loving relationships that uh, are somewhat financially stable. Probably not wealthy enough as is desirable, but I you know I think it's very rare for me to be 30 years old have all these friends in relationship. None of my friends have children. None of my close friends have children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's becoming more and more common. And I think it lo- makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm seeing these articles pop up that are like, millennials are saying they're not having kids because of climate change. And I'm like, yeah. that to that really means something. You know, that mm-hmm. that that is uh, pretty powerful. But, uh, you know, so obviously uh, you're, you're, you're expressing that you're upset and frightened and I think that's mm-hmm. really normal right now especially like with all the fires like when you can see oh my God, you can see the people. smoke and our friends are posting selfies with face masks and all this stuff and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like dark but you know I'm wondering what you, like what you feel like you're a very passionate very smart very funny very kind person is um, uh, why partially why I'm happy to have you on this podcast and I'm wondering what you feel like uh, as a comedian your role is at this time in history to make people feel maybe less alone or um, what? how you even just feel being a comedian right now? Like, what is that? Is that even relevant? Um, it's a tough question to ask simply because I, I don't know what it feels like to be a comedian. Like, I can't really explain that question. Uh, it's it's just what I do. So sure. <laughs> it's just, it's something like I've always worked in whatever climate is. And as mm-hmm. crazy as it seems now, it's been gradual um, to some extent. Okay. Like we had a lead up to Trump for two years and then it was okay. like the, then Trump and then climate I've been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's not like all of a sudden this happened. So it changed my mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, it's been gradually radicalizing over some time. Um, and I've just been still, I, I, you know, I don't know if I have a responsibility, um, but to try and do my best work for me, uh, if I really have conviction in my stuff, uh, that's what I do. If it touches on climate, which it does, you know, I have this new bit. Um, it's barely a bit. I just started, but uh, talking about desalinating water, uh, where we're at with that. I'm very concerned why we're not, um, you know, it's like, give me a strainer. I feel like I could do, you know, it's like, I don't, it doesn't seem that like, it, I know it's hard, but it's like, uh, well, how is, hard Israel does is it, it right? Israel does it. So that's the whole thing. That was like mm-hmm. when I'm like, well, they've been doing it in Israel for like 50 years. And like, apparently it's like expensive. I'm like, what? there's no price on this. But this meanwhile, is- we're trying to get like a, like a, like a jet train from San Francisco to LA. I'm like, uh, which sounds fun. It sounds I, actually really It sounds good. really fun. Yeah. But if you had to choose between water and that, no, I'd be tempted to take the train. It, yeah, exactly. It's like, like we're like, where are we at? So I do have some bit like it just so happens that stuff permeates my set because I don't live. I live within the world and I comment on the world. So my stand up will be reflective of it to some extent. Um, and it'll be my perspective through the world. So it's still filtered through the Robbie Hoffman, like, you know, the things I decide to hone in on are not maybe obvious to everybody else, but they have a a major effect. You know, I feel like I'm equally as affected when a bus is late as to the Holocaust. You know, I have just, it's just, I find like I'm equally as enraged by things. I just like I'm either on or off. Um, And that's problematic, but it's also just, I may touch on, on everything. But yeah, in San Francisco, actually, I wrote on this show that's coming out in, like 2019, it's like all the effects. Um, and we wrote it at Google. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. And that was like, I was there for like a few weeks at Google where Google was investing in the show because it's on a streaming platform and Google's getting involved. So they were, they just decided to have the writer's room there. 
mm-hmm. because they wanted different employees at Google to be able to see how a writer's room works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had this day at Google where I feel like I can't say Google properly, but anyway, where mm-hmm. people came to at like we could ask any of these experts anything, and some of these people. Uh, you know, it was like a really impressive young woman, and I wish her, I remember her name who was coming from the CIA and now works at Google. And like, just like, n- like we were, I, I was flabbergasted that anybody cared what I was doing. Like, we were doing like dumb ideas like all day and like pinning them to the wall. Like, and people were like, ooh, ah. and I'm like, <laughs> you literally work at Google. Um, and like, we met the guy who did the driverless car, and he was like in our writer's room, like, ooh, I'm like, you literally made the driverless car. Um, which, by the way, goes to speed limit. It's it's quite slow. Um, nothing against... It's not him, but the driverless cars just will not drive illegally at all. But, like, nobody drives so the speed like limit. So they're like me. So, no, everybody is just, like, passing you. It's uh, kind of wild. Um, but if everyone was driving one, it would be normal. And yes, I think we'd yes, probably get yeah. there faster. Oh, 100%. Well, there would be no traffic. You know, there wouldn't be stoplight. It would just be, like, cars could move within... Right. You know... Um, so that's fine. But, uh, we asked some of the, so there's a whole obviously division or whatever, a colony at Google who works on climate stuff, like climate related stuff. Um, and they do a lot of like bio chem robotics for, uh, say uh, arteries and stuff like very miniature robots that like filter arteries and things like that. And they work, their whole mandate is they work like 20, 30 years into the future. So they just hypothesize like so far into the future and they're just, mm-hmm. their jobs are really cool. And so we asked like, what was the, like we spoke about the environment it came up naturally again. Um, what the biggest resource they would invest in was if they had to tell layman and uh, they told us uh water, clean drinking water predominantly from Canada. And I'm Canadian, as you know, Jess. I'm Canadian and American. And I like literally like froze up, like not knowing that. I like texted my sister. I'm like, we need to buy land on a Quebec lake. And it's like super cheap. Mm. It's like $10,000 to get land, a big plot of land right on a Quebec lake where you can drink right out of mm-hmm. with a cup. Um, now I've given that secret out, but um, well, I not. only have like five listeners probably. So. Yeah, but also, <laughs> but also, um, well, I don't need to compete with five buyers on a Quebec plot of land <laughs> in like marsh fields or whatever. But like literally water is the biggest concern. And these, like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be. And I don't know why desalinating is not further along. But basically, yeah, water concerns me. A tremendous amount. I mean, I invested in a Brita in July um, because they're, yeah, because, and you have to, you know, it was like $35. Um, <laughs> I got the long last filter, which actually broke or it stopped like. Interesting fil- thing about this go. filter. This used to be Janine Brito's water filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really funny. And she gifted it to you or what? She had a, a garage sale? Yeah, or? she had like, I'm getting rid of some crap. Do you want this crap? Yes. Who I was like, want mm. <laughs> Yes. Have you changed the filter in there? Yes, Just, yes, yes. Okay, I'm a filter it. changer. Don't even yeah, worry. Yeah. Don't no, no, even I'm worry. Like it tastes okay, for, right? No, it's really good water. Yeah. I'm happy that you brought me the entire picture. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I did write Britta about the filter filtering way too fast, and they sent me $30, so... Just making money here, but um, <laughs> but yeah, water cons- like because I heard that the like they're really overly cleaning our water, and there's a lot of metallics in the water because sometimes it runs through the cycle twice, or you know what I mean. Because water shortages here, and it's just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's just horrifying. I don't know. Like for me, it's like all worries of the world, but then like climate is paramount. Like climate is like it's it's a prerequisite. It's mm-hmm. to anything else. It's like, I, I don't understand how you even, like, there's no love. There's nothing else. Like, if you don't have a plant, like, we're not here. Sorry, mm-hmm. I touched the mic accidentally. Did I kill it? Sounds everybody? fine. Sounds okay. great. Right. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you don't see anything being really done besides maybe some stuff at Google in like a positive direction on a big enough level to um, mediate the issues that are happening, like such as like desalinating water or uh, 
stuff like that. And uh, so what what is what do you feel like your role or your plan or mm-hmm. besides buying some land in Quebec maybe like <laughs> what like in terms of how how are you processing this like obviously it's upsetting but it's like what what do you see your role in in all of this as I'm really sort of just trying to gauge like where where's everyone at in this moment I don't like role is hard because it's like hard to say that I'm a role. I think us existing is political. I think like women in stand up doing, you know, and I'm a gay woman and I have like so many roles. Like I have to, you know, like uh, promote a perspective to some extent and us just doing what we're doing is political. You know, if I talk positively about, you know, if I talk about these issues as they should be spoken about, um, that's political in itself and I'm doing that role. Um, I just, I'm a part of a larger, I feel like it takes every, you know, it takes like, you know, the, the, some of the parts or whatever that thing is, but it's like really like we're all, we're all responsible to educate, um, and just get on it. I also feel like we're not at the same time. I also feel like it should be like, if you're the head of science boards on the government, you just make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Like you just mandate tariffs where needed. You just say, well, we're not doing pipelines anymore mm-hmm. because this is what the plan, like you should be, you should be equipped. It must be so frustrating to be on those committees and know, and you're not equipped with the power. It's kind of like if you have a regular job to those listeners and it's like, you can't change what you know is wrong because you're not, you're not in a position of power to do something. It must be infuriating to the people who sit on like major, you know, environmental boards um, who are actual scientists and actual environmentalists um, to know what to do and not be able to call those shots where they're experts Mm. and to have people who are not experts tell them uh, what shots to call. That must be infuriating because I feel like it's also shouldn't even be our role. We employ these, we, we, in a democracy, we vote or we, you know, we employ these committees of people to act in our best interests on our behalf because we're not in the positions of power. Um, and to see that, you know, Trump or uh, is electing people who have, you know, ulterior motives or things into these positions is really horrifying. Um, and for as horrifying as it is for me, I picture just any scientist or environmentalist sitting next to a guy who's just wrong, fact, like factually mm-hmm. wrong, um, they just must be going berserk just knowing what we have to do and not being able to make those calls, even though they are the experts of experts, you know, like I feel like the American people, we can say like, well, we trust like, you know, those people know that thing. We trust, I want him to make the decision on it. You know what I mean? I feel like like I shouldn't even making be making these decisions. I think scientists and environmentalists who are informed about it and mm-hmm. experts on it. Yeah. I want them to make those decisions. Yeah. Like that's what I want. It's like just like education. Like if you're at the highest level of education and you work on an education committee, um, pending it's not corrupt, which it is now with Betsy DeVos and the morons who are there. Um, normally, we would trust those bodies to make really good decisions on behalf of the American people. But unfortunately, capitalism has taken over, and it's just uh, corrupt, and it and it has nothing to do with the best interests of the mm-hmm. planet or the people or anything. And so, if you are sitting in those committees and you are actually an ex an expert, it must be infuriating. Um, to not get done what you know should be done and you're qualified to get done. Yes, yes. I um, I think it's really interesting what you said about being a part of the greater whole or the, the a part of the bigger picture, just mm-hmm. like a little, little you know, pebble on the, mm-hmm. on the mountain. Yes. And, uh, you know, and you also kind of talked about uh, the... The relation, uh, the role that power is playing in all of this, and uh, imbalance of power, and um, mm. I personally think that some of your comedy speaks to that Im- oh, really? imbalance of power. Uh, you have a bit on the um, on the internet that's been really circulating, and uh, it's about uh, micro penises. Yes, yes, yes. And as I was watching it. <laughs> And uh, I was like, you know, you're having this big laugh at micro penises. Again, the the point being like, it's okay to have a micro penis, and it's okay yes. to not have a penis. Yes. And uh, having a penis isn't the point of everything. But the way you do it is so funny, and everyone's laughing so hard. And I was thinking yeah. like, if you're really invested in patriarchy, like a woman lesbian, 
on stage, like having a big laugh at the expense of micro penises, um, or even not even at the expense of micro penises, but the at, at the expense of the seriousness of the ailment of having a right, micro penis. Exactly. I like I was just imagining like if you're invested in patriarchy, like watching this bit must be like what you feared. Like this is why patriarchy exists is so that this can't happen. Right, exactly. It's all like on the fritz now. So here you are. Now you're um, on, a, on a large platform. A lot of people are watching you tell these mm-hmm. jokes uh, and you're having this laugh and it's just like you just feel a part of that power of the patriarchy just kind of like fizzle a little bit. You know, and does that does yeah, that sound well, fair? Well, it's all like insecurity. You know what I mean? It's like it's the insecurity of the person with the micro penis. You know what I mean? Um, and and that permeates, and that makes they they tend to instead of dealing with their own insecurity, uh, they put it on others in the mm. form of overcompensating or having short man syndrome or whatever men are taught to feel inferior about. Right. Um, and it's just really upsetting. And I'm just saying that everybody is okay as they are, as long as they accept themselves as they are, because it, that's what it's about. It really, you had this idea and you fell into this, like what I, what a, what a man or a woman has to be or what a hetero person has to be or gay, but it, it just doesn't matter. Just whatever you are to be it is the thing is, is the whole thing. Um, and the problem with the patriarchy is I think that like size probably initially had something to do with it. With it. It's like, well, men were physically bigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, but when they realized that their brains weren't, do you know what I mean? Like they inserted in the ways that they could because their brains aren't bigger, mm. you know, uh, and I would think smaller most part, but anyway, um, no, I'm kidding. But I, I just saying that it's <laughs> like, it's like, they continue to assert this like this size thing that is just not as relevant in the world we live in anymore. And so they're like scrambling because we're not hunters and gatherers anymore. So their size doesn't really have an effect in all of our industries and what we do. It's like not anymore the thing we need. Mm. You know, we don't need a dude to go out there and like grab an elk and I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like a thing that size would require. So they're just scrambling to hold on to what power they can. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, cause it's kind of, uh, you know, this insecurity and this, uh, need for, for power that capitalism and all the destructive forces are kind of running on. And I actually think that the election of Trump has made me reflect a lot more about my own self and like, okay, what is happening? This didn't like come out of nowhere. Like what is happening? And I looked within myself a little more as we do a little more every year. Mm -hmm. And I saw a little bit of ugliness there, a little bit of insecurity that might, you know, um, make me nervous and cause me to buy something that I know is harmful to make me feel better. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Can I know what you bought that you think is harmful. <sighs> you know, I actually can't think, think of an example in the moment, but it's I'm like, sure to the listeners, it wasn't Jess is the nicest person. I no, no, no. Just like a Starbucks. It's not even like, oh, right, it's not right, even like, okay. okay it's also, I, I just want to say like, I don't think that, um, like buying a Starbucks is, is, you know, I don't think that the, the issue here is individual consumers necessarily. Mm-hmm. I no. think that that it's more of a larger power play. But, you know, uh, if I am to look at my own self, I notice that the the worse I feel, the more thoughts I have in my head that's like, Jessica, you're, you're so crappy. Then I, I get nervous and then I'll buy a thing or I'll like hurt somebody else even just by like honking at them weirdly in traffic. It's little things, but I can see that like... Um, you know, this feeling of not being enough or not being good enough is right. what drives uh, us to hurt uh, each other and the planet. And uh, and uh, con- and we overcompensate. You feel bad, so you buy something. You say, see, I have more things. And I think men, because they were used to a size thing that was an inherent power uh, control thing that they had, it then they, they, they transferred that weird thing into like money. Well, see, I have a bigger... We, we're the only ones who are allowed to work and we make money. And now look how big our bank accounts are. 
mm-hmm. right? And they prevented women from having that. Um, and they go, well, see, it's still bigger. So size does matter still. <laughs> and size matters with them on everything, on dick, on everything else. It's still such an inherent need for them mm. that they're basically things at size, um, which just isn't relevant anymore, truly. So I think in most places. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that it's really interesting, the consumerism point that you brought up about buying a Starbucks. I agree. I think it's like a lot of the pressure has been put on individuals um, to conserve. And I think that's great. You know, people are getting Priuses and people are carpooling and people are doing ride share and people are, you know, every recycling and all that stuff. But really, if 10 corporations right. did those things, everybody could have an extra treat. Everybody could get that Starbucks guilt-free. You know, if that's your thing, if that's like what, you know, I believe like you have to have those routines that make you feel good and that give you a treat in the day. Um, I mean, I'm somebody who loves the little things. So like something like that, like I'm a very routine person. Like when I, you know, when I was working on Gethard show, I would have a Starbucks every morning. I get off the subway and it's like, that was my goal to get to that Starbucks, Mm. get my, get my, you know, I would get a small coffee, um, and I just like walking into work with it and sipping it in the elevator. And it just it just set my day up like perfectly. And if the subway was late and I wasn't able to do that, it just was a little disappointing. And those small moments of joy actually provide great joy to me. Um, yeah. They're really... And that's okay. That and that would be totally fine because Starbucks wouldn't be bad if they just weren't as greedy. If they just could take 10% back and mm-hmm. they could say, listen, we actually have the resources to implement perfect recycling. Well, they we just have the resources to do everything, you know, and Starbucks is probably doing better than, you know what I mean? Well, Starbucks just merged with Nestle, which well, is like it. stealing fucking water from California. Yeah. So exactly. Like if Nestle just was uh, responsible as responsible as you and I are, which is not asking, it's not that, like I recycle and I do things and I compost and stuff like that. That's not really that hard in my life, you know? And Mm -hmm. then this whole corporation that has so much more than me can't even do the minimum like that. It just, it's so crazy. And if these 10 conglomerates could do even 10%, we could all enjoy a little bit better of a life. Mm. Um, Instead of 10 people at the top, just, living in excess because their egos are so fragile and they're so uh, insecure. And I don't know what, like what, what more, what do they do? I don't understand the goal. It's like, it's such a different, I just don't understand it at all. And I think it's like the pressure on the consumer has been so much. And unfortunately, um, it doesn't even come close to adding up to if these 10 conglomerates helped out and mm-hmm. did even the minimum of what one person, one citizen did. Um, so it's just it's just really unfortunate because I feel like people are doing a lot in a lot of places, mm-hmm. and we're not seeing the results because it's just the scale um, that these companies dominate is just bigger and than a lot of the communities. Yeah, and so many individual people right now are feeling so much shame. Yes, for the coffee, for the this. And we, we have the shame, but they don't have any shame. Just literally fracking, just literally doing things. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like like literally ruining, like draining the actual earth, which isn't anybody's earth. I also have a problem, like when we get really ph- philosophical about it, I have a problem with land ownership and things like that. Um, you know, I think like, yes, like there's an importance to like, uh, for instance, I don't have a, like, I think that uh, Native Americans, for instance, own this land, and I agree with that, and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is buying property and stuff like that. Like, I don't think, I think ousting people is wrong, and people who are here have a, an entitlement to the land, and I believe that for sure, and um, it's really crazy that we had no guilt doing stuff like that but now property like if you just look at property in LA and people buying plots and doing whatever they want with the plots it's like it's not your land like you will die and it will be for a future generation companies who get to frack and who get to just take land like even the fact that some beaches are private like it's not your beach it's the world's beach like there shouldn't even be private like I'm I'm like I'm torn between having Safety, like I think you, private residences provide safety for people, and I get that. But the idea that you're owning land and not kind of borrowing it while you're here um, 
really turns me off because then I, and then I start getting more philosophical and I don't know. I'm like, well, do countries even exist? And I, I really probably think not. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody owns any land ever. Um, I think it's everybody's land, including animals, including everything. Like, I don't think we get to just say, well, we're going to frack oil here. It's not your, it's not your land. Right. Why do they get the rights to do it? Because of money. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not as entitled. Like, I hate getting to a big government property and it's like, government, pro- it's my property too. Mm. It's not your property. Like, yes. in the grand scheme of how the world is, it's like nothing, you made this up. Yeah. What a v- very bizarre idea to, like, look at a plot of forest or even a building somewhere and be like, that is mine. Because it's That's like, mine. who are you? <laughs> it's who are you? It's everybody's. Yeah. And then, but then I get it. And then where it bumps me. And then I, and then I feel like, for me, it's like wherever people are living, let them live. Like I hate like ransacking communities or things like that. So that's why it's like that's where land ownership I start to get like, well, okay, let's calm down. Like let's, if people are living there, yes, then they're borrowing that land while they're there and we shouldn't remove that. So that's why I have an issue with how we colonized and things like that. So those still hold true. But, um, and then I also run into a problem when I get too philosophical about it is like being having like if you're a young woman living alone you should be entitled to a space that is safe Mm -hmm. so then you do need some type of ownership but i still think leasing is probably the way to go and i i think buying a property like people get to buy the top of a mountain and they live there in the fortress like well no it's not even it's not your mountain it's my mountain too Mm -hmm. it's the world's mountain yeah like you will be gone this will go on forever it never belonged to you never is yours you know, it's like public parks. Like I went to um, uh, Grand Canyon. Was one of my, I really like the wonders of the world. Mm. I really, I only been to one. I only been to the Grand Canyon. And it's like I got there and like I had to pay like a park fee and the right. car fee and it was like thirty dollars. And bizarre. so it's like, but that money goes to like protected and stuff, right? Or right, something. but taxes go to protected already. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, why are we also, why are we subsidizing? To look why are at people it. subsidizing mm-hmm. the parks when we do pay for the parks? There's something going on there. You know what I mean? They're not like that much to maintain. You got one guy at the front and four guys throughout on horses. It will take care of itself. Sure, sure. All you're ensuring is that nobody builds on it. Mm-hmm. So where, it's, did- where is it going? Why are we privatizing? Why are we also, why are we paying taxes to do it? Plus citizens drive in and they have to pay it. Like, there's something real, and it's not your land. I'm like, this is now a pub. Like, everybody can come here. Like, why can't poor kids come to this park? It's like their park. It just, it starts to, like, trip me out that we've, like, said, like, even public spaces are owned. And nothing is really public anymore. And really, in truth, when everything is said and done, nothing belongs to anyone. Hmm. I don't know. I work at the Los Angeles Public Library, which is public. Yes, no, and that's amazing. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> you have to get your books back on time, though, if you borrow them. That's, like, a thing. Yeah, no, I, you know what I mean? I got really crazy there for a half a second. No, I, li- I, started, I like it. like, land ownership and property values have just, like, made me think... Like, you just hear so much about property and land here. It's, like, L.A.'s blown up and, you know, residential. It's, like, yeah. everybody calm down because nobody owns any of this. Right. And we need to just have a new system because this is, like, mm. really crazy. Like, poor people are just as entitled to live. Like, for whatever money they have. If they have 10... Yeah, okay, well, that's what... If you're living there, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, then you get to stay there. It's just like anyone else setting... Why does a rich person get to come up and set up, put their flag down and go, well, I do live here now. So Everybody should be able to do that. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, in light of how bad a lot of shit is getting right now, are having similar thoughts to what you are. Oh, they are, okay. I, th- I think so. Good. I, th- I think not. I kind of feel... I feel a little shift... I mean, yeah. maybe you've always felt this way, but I think people are maybe becoming more aware of this kind of stuff. Because you know how in the 90s we were just like, Clueless is fun. Some some of us, that's what yeah. I was doing. I thought yeah. Clueless was fun in the 90s yes. and no, I liked the amazing. Spice Girls, you know. And uh, now it's just like, uh, a lot. I think a lot of people are like, we need like a new thing. We need a new system. We need to Ooh, get is, to yeah. work on this. So like, what do you, what do you, do you see like that shift happening? Do you have hope for Like, do you think it's possible that we'll, we'll do a new thing? No, I think it's getting worse. It's like you see, uh, you know, neighborhoods gentrifying and uh, we're, we're, 
part of the problem, you know, for sure. We are part of the problem. But I think it's okay to live in a space that's open. But if somebody's living there, like being rented out or a landlord, like having aggressive tactics, you know, raising the rent. on It's like if you're living there, you should just live there until you want to move. Like mm-hmm. how it is, like how rich people are. Like we should have the same allowances, you know. I don't. I hate seeing a family that's living somewhere and they're like rented out. Or, mm-hmm. or what is, you know, like they're priced out of their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like priced out needs to end immediately. Whatever you agreed to pay when you moved in, like that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Like you get to stay there because you want to live there because that's how land works, <laughs> you know. And then you and your family will die one day and somebody else will be like, oh, this is open. Oh, why don't we live here? And they mm-hmm. nestle in there and that's great. Um, I think it's just the the privatization and the business of everything is just out of control and mm-hmm. like only it's a bit of a worse. monster it's a mon- it's only getting worse and i'm like waiting for the revolution i'm like well you know hopefully we can all rise up and dismantle it i don't know what that looks like um but we've seen examples of it with like the arab spring and there was some hopeful examples of it in some other parts of the world um and that's already a while ago but those types of revolutions encourage me um, and I think we, we ought to be close here in the U.S. to have the same type of thing, just like totally collectively getting together um, and dismantling it. And we have, we have you know, we have things like the Women's March and things that have been super great for raising awareness. But I wonder when it crumbles. I wonder when we take bats to the White House. I wonder when it, we, we, we burst through the gates of the Hidden Hills and all that stuff, you know, and just re-divvy up everything. Just, guys, let's all just live yeah, like, let's just all calm down. Like you didn't need nineteen rooms. You didn't. You were using two. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could spare one? Sure. Like I feel like we could all just be reasonable, but we can't. It, it just money it just made people crazy or something. Because mm-hmm. it's like not a real thing, and it, I, I don't know. Yeah, this I actually really I went to a couple though. open houses over here, just like yeah. driving by, like yeah. for mansions. Yeah, and they're like you know whatever fifteen million dollars in Hancock yeah. Park and. I went in there and I was like, they're kind of shitty. Like they're kind of shitty. Um, and uh, like in the sense, it's just like one of them had termites and uh, no. and just like, no. I was just like, I would just throw my clothes over there and it, it would just be shitty. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> uh, well, money, our obsession, our obsession with money got, got a little bit uh, silly. Um, so I guess I want to wrap this up sort of soon, yes. uh, but we've got a lot of info in there and it seems like you are very comfortable saying, I'm upset. Here's what I know. You, you know, you stay on top of things. You're reading the news, it seems like. And right. yeah, a lot of people can't look at the news. They can't say, right. I'm upset. They're like, you know, well, I'm recycling and I believe it's going to be okay. So how do you kind of hold, hold that without going crazy? I just do the best I can. Like, I, I literally, every day has always been me just doing the best I can. Do you have any, like, advice for, like, people no. t- trying to... Okay. I can't give advice. I feel preachy giving advice, and I feel um, silly giving advice. I can only lead by my own example. You know, I can only be an example um, of many examples, but I just try and do the right thing where possible. Um, nobody's perfect if I have a slip-up and I have... You know, for instance, my girlfriend's vegan and that is a lot better. You know, if I have a slip up and I have something, I don't kill myself over everything. I try to live a reasonable life, but I try to lead a conscious and a conscious life. Just think about the things I'm doing. And even if I make the wrong choice, at least I thought about it. For mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. You're 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 staying uh, a w- I'm trying not to say woke. You're staying awake. I am. Yeah, I mean, the news <laughs> does get to be a lot, and I won't. I won't say I'm not. You know, I've, I'm guilty of shutting stuff off too, and just well, you just have to, to have to sometimes. get some shut eye. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a nightmare. Um, so I'm not. I, there's too much to follow everything precisely with, um, but uh, the general, yeah, it's. Uh, so I do turn, but. You know, but things I'm passionate about, like living in, in a world, you know, like I'm like, well, nothing even happens. Like the, there's no politics about the world. Like what are you guys even thinking? Like nothing exists if we're not here on this one. Sure, yeah. So I don't know. It's tough. I toggle between being in the know and falling mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much, Robbie. Is there anything? Oh um, I, re- I really appreciate you coming here and talking. I just figure like uh, I don't really know what to do or say about any of this. I clearly don't know what I'm doing. But I like uh, just uh, having an opportunity to sort of process like this stuff. I'm like, oh, let's just talk about it. No, for, it feels good to talk about it. I have to say, I haven't on. talked about this. Okay, in a while. you don't like feel it's, upset. It's no, a, I feel like upset, but I feel like I have an ally. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're in it together. I feel like we feel the same. Yes. Um, Conne- yes. So that's that's always comforting to know there's community. Yay! Yeah, I think connection yeah. is like uh, the thing to do. Right yes. Now. It's yes. The, it's the big thing. On, big on connection. Do that, please. Um, big, big, big on connection. Well, do you have anything uh, like comedy wise that uh, you want to say here to, that people can check out? Uh, my five listeners. Yes. Well, I'm on Twitter at I am Robbie Hoffman. I A M R O B B Y H O F F M A N. I also have a one hour TV special coming out on Crave in Canada uh, and somewhere in the U.S. In January, but it'll be called Robbie Hoffman. I'm nervous, so look out for that. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks so much, Jess, for having me. Yay! Oh,